image of a precious moment's angel, hands folded in prayer with wings, and they're also looking at an image of the grim reaper with wings out as if he's ready to attack. Let me ask you guys a question. What do these two have in common? They both have wings, number one, and number two, neither one of them's true. Neither one of them is true. Neither one of them is right. They are approximations of what people have read in scripture and or mythology about angels as beings. We're going to take a look at angels today, but what you might find true in our culture is that when you bring up the subject of angels, you might get people thinking about one of these two images or something else altogether. But then you might get people who just absolutely object to the idea of angels at all and would say, uh, angelic beings and spiritual beings, that's absurd. Why? Because we can't scientifically prove that there are angels with wings fluttering around, whether they look like precious moments dolls or look like grim reapers, right? We've never seen angels, though, as Vendetta shared in her scripture this morning, the Bible says that some of us have perhaps entertained angels unawares, as the old language says, or without even really knowing it. So what I'd like to do is share with you some scriptural bases for where we get the idea of angels and talk to you about angels on both sides of the tracks. Take a look at the scripture with me this morning. This is from the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation's got a lot of really cool, colorful stories and language and all kinds of stuff in it. This is what the Bible says in Revelation 12, 7 about angels. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. So we can see that there are how many camps of angels? Two camps of angels in Revelation, right? But he, uh, the dragon, was not strong enough, verse 8, and they lost their place in heaven. Does anybody know theologically where they went after that? They were cast down to where? Brennan says right here. Yep, and who knows, they might even be right here at Burkett Freshman Center with us this morning. And in verse 9, the Bible says, The great dragon was hurled down that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, and he just flat out gets called out for who he is here. There's no messing around. There's no playing around. The leader of the other side of the angels on the other side of the tracks is Satan, who leads the whole world astray. So when he's cast down to this earth, Part of his job description is to do what? Mess us up. Mess our faith up. Get us off tracks. Get us believing other stuff. Perhaps even the idea that angels don't exist at all and they're myths. Vapors. Something that somebody dreamed up, right? He was hurled to earth, the Bible says, and his angels with him. Well, let's talk a little bit from the beginning here about what angels are not. Angels are not chubby baby cherubs with wings. Now, I have a biblical basis for answering this question. It's not because I don't like chubby little baby cherubs with wings. Everybody loves them, especially when we hang them on the Christmas tree at Christmas time, right? But that's not what angels are. Angels are also not people who do great things. Now, we've all known people who did amazing things, nurses who served for 35 years in hospital careers and helped save lives. We call them angels. They're not angels. 
They're humans who do really great things. Angels are very specific creatures. And we also cannot call people who die, uh, whether they're good or not, we can also not call people who die angels, including little ones who die, babies and children. They are not angels. They are humans created for a specific purpose. Angels are different. Angels are God's creatures that have their own purpose, have their own meaning, and have their own trajectory in this story of God giving us his son, Jesus. So let's establish that from scripture, and then let's talk about what exactly angels are. Angels are, from the scripture, in specific, spiritual beings created by God during his creation event. Now, it may be easy to assume that angels were always around. You may look in John chapter 1 and see the language on the Word, where the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And it may be easy to assume that these spiritual beings were around in the beginning. Truth is, they were created just like we were within those six days that God did his creation, however long those six days were. The angels were created along with us. They are created beings. They are messengers. And in fact, the word angel in the Greek pertains to messaging, bringing a message. They are messengers who are sent from God with specific purposes. We'll get into that a little bit more in a few minutes. They are powerful, intelligent beings with the ability to choose. Now, let me ask you a question. In the beginning, when the angels were created, what did they choose first? What did they choose? They chose whether or not to follow who? The God who made them. And one of them in particular was tempted to believe that as powerful and intelligent and creative and choice-bearing as he was, that he could be like God. And what was his name? The Bible calls him Satan, Lucifer. And when he defected from God's kingdom, what did he do? He led a whole bunch of God's other creatures, also angels, to follow him. Now, those creatures didn't stop being angels. They simply defected to the dark side of the force. They followed Satan and went with him but who they were as angels remained the same. They simply made a choice. And in the kingdom of God, angels only get one choice when it comes to following Jesus. When they choose against following Jesus, they are cast out. And this only happened one time. Angels don't get the same kind of grace that you and I get. They don't get the same kind of bandwidth that you and I get through Jesus. They had one chance and they chose who they were going to follow. And in the beginning, the Bible says that a third of the angels followed Lucifer and they were cast where? Down here. And what was their job? What did their job become? Well, we'll get into that. Hold on to that for just a second. But the idea is from antiquity, from the scriptures, that these two groups of angels have been at war and have been battling. It's what in church circles you might call spiritual warfare. 
And we'll talk about how angels are influences in the lives of believers and unbelievers. But what I want you to see this morning is in defining angels, what they are not and what they are, I want you to see classy, strong, intelligent, able, supernatural beings with the power of choice who have been specifically created for God's purposes. And with that one choice, some of them chose against God's purposes. Therefore, casting them into war. Good angels serve people. The good side, the light side of the angel force serves people in these ways. And I want to share some scriptures with you on top of this. If you've got your smartphone, you want to pull up some scriptures and perhaps even read them out loud for the group here this morning. If you're brave enough and you want to read some scripture, good angels serve people. Specifically, they serve children. Anybody have Matthew chapter 18 and 10 they want to share this morning? There's a scripture that talks about the idea that children are aided by angels. Now, this might be where the world gets the concept of the guardian angel. But it's the idea that there are angels who are specifically paying attention to the lives of children. Does anybody have that scripture? You want to read it? Yeah, go ahead, Heather. Yeah, and it says their angels, T-H-E-I-R, doesn't it? So this is where some might get the idea of the guardian angel. We don't have doctrine on the guardian angel, but we know that angels are paying attention to who? Children. We see that in the Bible, don't we? We also know that they serve people in what, or what are called the work and calling of grown-ups. When you go to work and when you fulfill what God has called you to do in this life through your vocation, the Bible says angels are there to help you. So if you find yourself in a spot where you get some supernatural help and you kind of look over your shoulder and you go, wait a minute, I was just blessed by something somewhere and I don't know where that came from and it didn't come from me, it could have been the work of an angel. And if anybody wants to look that up, that's in Psalm 91. The idea that, and this was the same scripture that Satan was kind of tempting Jesus with in the desert. You know, um, if you'll throw yourself off the top of this structure here, you, you know, the angels will catch you because the Bible says in Psalm 91, you won't strike your foot against the ground. It's the idea that the angels are watching over us in our work. And of course, Jesus refuted Satan there by quoting scripture back about not tempting, about not calling God to the test. And then angels also serve people at the time of their time of death. This is in Luke chapter 16. It's the idea of being carried spiritually from this life into the presence of God, either to be received by him or to be judged by him. The angels assist in this work. But the idea becomes this. Good angels do these specific things as a part of their service. They deliver the message of salvation through Jesus. And this is found in Luke chapter 2. Also, what do you find in Luke chapter 2, guys? Anybody know what the story is in Luke chapter 2? It's the Christmas story, isn't it? Right? Luke chapter 2 is the announcement of the birth of the baby Jesus. So we have the message about salvation, about Jesus being delivered by angels. 
uh, a child is born in the city of David. Remember that language? Who delivered that language? The angels, right? Good angels also celebrate at the repentance of people. In Luke chapter 15, it talks about the idea of angels rejoicing when people come into the kingdom of God. They are seeing what's going on down here on earth, and they rejoice. They're also charged with delivering God's word to people. Galatians chapter 3, there's the idea that the angels carry the word of God. Does anybody have Galatians 3 and 19 they'd like to call out for the group? This is kind of like Sunday school a little bit this morning, right? Galatians chapter 3 and 19. Anybody got that? Yeah, Holly, shoot it out there. Yeah, the law was given through angels and entrusted to a mediator. Who knows who that mediator was? Yeah, in the end, it's Jesus, right? The mediator and the one who fulfilled the law. Angels also attend public worship. We see some stuff in Scripture about them paying attention when the people of God are in worship and about specifics related to people worshiping. So you might be sitting next to an angel, now, it may or may not be your husband. I'll just tell you that right off the bat. But you may be sitting next to an angel to the right or the left. The angels may be posting guard here in the room this morning. But the Bible refers to the idea that they are aware of human worship. And they are aware of what goes on in worship settings. Well, let's talk about this, what angels will do. Angels will do the following two things. They will be involved in announcing the final judgment uh, the Bible says that they will come back with Jesus. How? Is Jesus going to take the train? Is he going to come in on American Airlines? Or how is he coming back? He's coming back on the clouds with who? The angels. They will accompany him, right? Like soldiers, almost. And they will assist in the final judgment. When people are brought to final judgment, the angels will somehow be involved. And we don't know a whole lot more detail than that. Let me ask you a question. When you stand before God to be judged, how will God render your judgment? He will look at you and see who? He will see Jesus. Not based on what you do in this life, but based on the grace of God through who? Jesus. God will look at you and see his son, Jesus, who died on the cross for you and rose again from the grave for you, right? Those who believe in the message of Jesus, that judgment is over. They are received and welcomed into the kingdom of God, right? The angels will be involved in the final judgment in helping those come before God who refuse to hear the good news of Jesus and receive it. That's how serious these beings are. If we trivialize them and make them into something less real, then it takes the sting out of the final judgment, doesn't it? But what we wanna do this morning is recognize how serious and how powerful that event is in light of who the angels are and recognize that you and I will stand before God because of Jesus and already be loved and already be forgiven and already be received 
and be rejoicing with the angels who rejoice with God. We are already a part of his kingdom, already received. So what I want you to see this morning, above and beyond any of the work that we've talked about, is the idea that angels are active. Now, we don't really know what they look like. Maybe they look like a wrestler like this guy on screen with big wings. Maybe they look like children. We just don't know what they look like. But what we don't want to do is we don't want to be tempted to trivialize them. Just like we don't want to trivialize God. We don't want to trivialize Jesus. We don't want to trivialize the end times and the final judgment. We don't want to trivialize God's grace and how powerful and amazing it is. I'd love for you to see this image of an angel doing something with Daniel in the lion's den. Do you remember the Bible story? What did the angel do? He shut the mouths of the lions. Otherwise, they would have had a Daniel sandwich and they would have shared, right? But the angel shut the mouths of the lions. You see the angels fulfilling their job description in the life of Daniel? Now, this is thousands of years before you and me. But let me ask you a question. Why would we be tempted to believe that angels are any less active in our lives as followers of Jesus than they are up here in our friend Daniel's life? Why would we make angels less than who they are if they are powerful, intelligent, beings of choice with sophistication and honor and power? That's our temptation in this culture, isn't it? But the Bible has so much more to say about angels and who they are and what they do. Now let's take a look at the other side of the tracks. Let's take a look at what angels do when they have made that choice, have fallen away from God's kingdom, and are following their leader, Satan. This is what evil angels do. They hurt people. Now this is just flat-out doctrine. It's unpleasant. But I would be remiss if I didn't take this road when instructing you about angels. You need to hear both sides. You need to hear both sides of who they are and what they do, right? Evil angels hurt people in their bodies, and this comes from Luke chapter 13, where people are struck with disease and with injury and with all kinds of things that uh, hinder them in getting around and moving around in life and being healthy. They hurt people through their possessions. This Matthew 8 story is the story of the demon-possessed pigs. Do you guys remember that story and what happened? These pigs were demon-possessed, and Jesus approached the pigs, and what happened? He, he called them out, and the pigs ran down and drowned themselves. And the Bible says there was something like a couple of thousand pigs that went down and drowned themselves, right? But those pigs were demon-possessed until Jesus did what? Cast them out. He put them out of the pigs, right? Evil angels also hurt people, and this is Ephesians chapter 2, by influencing him, by getting into their souls and into their spirits and trying to get them to change their minds about who it is they follow, who it is they worship, who it is they believe in. That is the work and the task of an angel who's been cast out and has fallen to the earth. Evil angels do the, do the following things. They try to destroy the church. This is from Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. They try to block the word from unbelievers. So evil angels work to try to keep people who don't trust in Jesus from 
hearing the message of the gospel, that they are received into God's kingdom because of what Jesus did, not because of what they do or don't do. They try to block that message from people who need to hear it and begin to trust in Jesus because of its good news and because of the work of the Holy Spirit, right? Evil angels also spread false doctrine. The Bible says they spread lies about the faith. So they take the truth of Scripture and twist it just enough where the culture receives that twisted Scripture instead of the actual truth. This is the work of angels from the other side. This is what they do all day long. Do you guys ever hear Bible truth that's twisted just a little bit? Just enough? Kind of like the idea that God wants you to be wealthy, and if you place your faith in God and trust in Him and make a vow that you'll become wealthy, that sounds just about right, but it's twisted just enough where if you look at the rest of the counsel of Scripture, you'll find that that's not true. God doesn't call us all to be wealthy, nor does He want us all to be wealthy. God wants us to be His children. And some of us are blessed with wealth and some are not in this world. We don't take scripture and twist it. That is the work of angels, evil angels from the other side. And lastly, they stir up persecutions against God's kingdom. Are people persecuted for their faith in the world? Yes, they are. Have you ever been persecuted for your faith in this culture? If so, then you could have been the victim of the work of evil angels. That's part of their job description. It's what they do. But the idea becomes this. Trusting in Jesus and coming into his kingdom gives us access to the power of God above and beyond and outside of the power of intelligent angels. Now look at this scripture from Paul. This is in Romans chapter 8. The Bible says, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Through him who loved us. Who's that referred to? It's Jesus, right? Verse 38, for I am convinced, Paul says, that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So while angels work on behalf of God or on behalf of Satan, and it's one or the other, there are no double agents, right? They work on behalf of God or, or on behalf of Satan. There is no power that an angel can exert over you that can take you out of God's good graces through Jesus. In fact, the angels will either work to serve you in growing in your faith or evil angels will work against you in growing in your faith. But even when an, even a, an evil angel works against you and succeeds in stopping the growth of your faith, the grace of God reminding us that we are his starts us again and again and again. And the angels on God's side rejoice and work for that and serve to that end and push for that and support that. They are angels that serve God and serve the message of Jesus Christ. Look at what the Bible says about Jesus's power and command over angels. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 26, Jesus says this, do you think I cannot call on my father and he will at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? 
Now, how many angels is that? Is it as many as you can fit on the head of a pen? Probably a lot more. A legion, they think, was about 6,000. Do some quick math. Math teachers in the room? 12 times 6,000? I'm hearing like mumbling. <laughs> Alan's an actual math teacher. How much is that? 72,000. Now that's give or take dozens, right? Jesus has the ability to beckon the use of hundreds of thousands of angels. He is all powerful over them. He does not serve them. They serve who? They serve him. All except for the ones who've been cast down to earth. And who do they serve? They serve Satan. And how long will they serve Satan? Okay, yeah. Till the end of times. Right? So they will serve Satan until God says, done with this. And brings the end of times to fruition. They are Satan's once and forever. And then God will bring that war between the good ones and the bad ones to a close. Look at what the scripture says about our interaction with angels. And this is what we talked about before when Satan was tempting Jesus in the desert. Psalm 91.11 says, For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Let me ask you a question. How many of your ways is God using angels to guard you in? All your ways. So they are active. They're around you. They are at work. Sometimes our culture tends to trivialize them and make them something of make-believe. But trusting in Jesus, we know that angels are with us and for us because they serve the God who is with us and for us through Jesus. So as you pray and as you ask God, God, please be with me in this moment. God, I could use your help with this. God, I could use your wisdom and your guidance with this. God, I could use your intervention with this. God already knows what you need and what you want after his heart. He hears that prayer. And through Jesus, he renders his decision and his action as he sees fit. In a lot of cases, it's through the work of angels. And isn't that cool that God has put at the disposal of his son Jesus so many amazing, powerful beings, ones who serve us and support us. And likewise, when you hear something or see something come against you in your faith, remember, it could be the work of the other side, of the dark side. But also remember this, you love a God who gave you his son, who is still in charge of all the angels, all of them, all three-thirds of them, including the ones that defected and were sent to earth. There will come a time when Jesus will return with the angels who stayed with him. The angels who are here right now with us, some of them are evil. Some of them are good. Who's in charge of both of them? Jesus is. 
So your faith and your trust in Jesus supersedes and overcomes the work of evil angels, sometimes even effectuated through the work of good ones. So let me ask you a question. Has your viewpoint of angels changed at all? And when you hang an ornament on your Christmas tree, a fat little baby cherub with wings and hands folded in prayer, you can look at that and smile because you know behind the doctrine of angels is God's great love and power and grace. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Dear Jesus, thank you for all of your creation. Thank you for giving us the angels to work with us, to serve us, and to support us. And thank you, God, even for the testing that comes from the other side. Because we know that you're the one who has conquered all of the evil that can come against us, including those who've defected from your kingdom in that one poor decision to follow Lucifer. Lord, we ask that you would indeed work through the angels to carry the gospel forward, that the good news of Jesus would be shared with others. The idea that there is nothing that I can do to earn my salvation, that Jesus has done it. And at the same time, God has called me into a greater purpose beyond myself that sometimes I can't even really see. And that includes the work of the angels. Lord, let us join that work. Let us partner with the supernatural and share the good news of Jesus whenever you set it up in a conversation or in a way that we can serve. We thank you, God, for all you are and for all you've created and for all those beings that you've given us to help us as they follow Jesus along with us. In your name we pray and together we say amen, amen. and amen.